couldn't produce this podcast without our many sponsors. So at this time, let's take a listen to one of our amazing partners. Ileana Stop Car Radio is one of our many partners. With the 2022 recording season upon us, there are a lot of ways you can keep track of Ileana Stop Car Radio. They are on YouTube, Podbean, and iTunes, or through your favorite podcast app on your smartphone or tablet. Just search Ileana Stock Car Radio. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find them at Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Radio at gmail.com. I-L-L-I-A-N-A Radio at gmail.com. Welcome everyone to Racing Girls Rock Podcast, sponsored by the Women's Motorsports Network and the International Women's Motorsports Association. I'm pleased to have as a guest on my show today, Logan Miseraka. She is um, a race car involved in motorsports. She's got a great story. And I wanted to have her on and have her share what she's been up to, what she's going to be up to. So Logan, welcome to the show. And would you start by telling us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Logan Miseraka. I am from Sanford, Florida, born and raised my entire life. I'm 22 years old. Um, I'm currently racing in the Arkham Menards East series. And that's me in a nutshell. Okay, <laughs> easy, easy stuff. So do you have any pets or anything? I have two kitties, Moet and Rillel, that I love dearly. Of okay. course, my wine names, and they like fit perfectly with their wine names. I have Moet, the one that just sneaks up on you, but like she's the bougie one. And then Merlot, my red wine, just troublemaker. Always okay. a troublemaker. Love the names. Love the names. And we talked a little bit before we got started, and you are of Italian descent. That's where your last name comes from. And so that's the perfect names then for your kitties. So I love that. <clears throat> so Logan. You're racing in the Arca series, but you don't just start out there. What's your, what's your journey? Where have you, where did you start? When did you start? Tell me your story. Yeah, I started racing when I was uh, four years old. I started in quarter midgets. Um, I started racing because my dad races sprint cars. My dad's dad raced sprint cars, and they've all done the dirt circuit for generations. So I'm actually the first female generation, but I'm the fourth generation Miseraka to be a race car driver. And my entire life, my dad kept pushing me to like, oh, no, you need to like, you should do this. Like, you should be racing. You should be racing. And my mom was like, no, no, no. Like, she's going to get hurt. No way is she driving on dirt. Like, no way. So my mom made me her little dancing queen. I danced until I was 17, 18 years old. I danced professionally, competitively, did that whole thing for dancing just my whole life. So, and then when I turned 17, I went to mom and I was like, listen, I want to go full-time into racing. I love you to pieces. Don't be mad, but I just bought my first race car. So we're going to, we're going to go through with that. So I started racing legend cars at that time. And I just been racing go-karts and quarter minutes for fun before that. Just like any week. And I got the chance that I wasn't dancing or whatever, just get around to, but nothing like super serious. And then got into legend car racing and just started to like notice, okay, this really could be something. I've been in love with the sport for like my entire life noticing more females getting into that level as well. So like wanted to keep going through it. This, and then I went to pro late models 
and did that for two years. So I got rookie of the year there and then second in the points championship. So I was like, okay. And that's when it like really started to hit like attention from like other people that also attention within myself. Like, okay, like I can do this. Like this is actually something that's not unreachable for me. So this year we finally got to make our Arca East debut. We were supposed to do it in 2021, but 2020 kind of messed up a lot of stuff yeah. for a lot of people. So this year we finally got to make that start. So that's awesome. And where was the first ARCA race? New Smyrna, literally five miles away from home, yeah. half a mile away from here where I work. Yeah. Right down the road. So it was nice being able to like go to a track that I have had the track championship at. I had rookie beer. I had like the establishment at that track going and I knew that track like the back of my hand. Yeah. to make my ARCA debut there. So I was like, okay, at least I'm not going into this blindly, not knowing anything about the car, anything about the track. Like I have some kind of expertise here. Right. So that helped. Yeah, that absolutely helped because it gave you some confidence starting out that, you know, I, I felt sorry for, especially like Haley Deegan and the other ones last year in NASCAR because she was going to tracks she'd never raced on before, no practice thrown in with all these people and you know and then I'd hear people say oh well she's not this or she's not that well give the kid a break let's put you in a car right and put you in that situation so the fact that you could start with at least something familiar is is a bonus so how did you do in that race I finished seven which I thought was good I yes. of course wanted to finish top five but and I was a little upset but everyone was like oh my god like that was so good and I'm like getting out of the car I'm like no like I should have gotten top five like this is my track but I don't think there's anything that could have prepared me for how the car was gonna feel because it is like nothing I've ever driven before and I drive at NASCAR racing experience I work at a Daytona International Speedway doing ride-alongs so like okay it'll kind of feel like that kind of car feel but you can't even feel the car when you're going 180, 190 miles an hour foot to the floor. You can't even feel it. So there was like nothing to prepare me for exactly how the car was going to react. So it was a whole learning adjustment and the whole learning experience the entire time to where I finally felt secure in the race, like the last hundred laps where I was like, okay, now I know how the car is going to react. I know what control I do and don't have with this. So it's all a learning curve, especially because it's like a big boat. Like you can, the feeling and the, reactions are super hesitant to like if you feel like you're gonna spin it's already too late rather than like a legend car a late model it's like right underneath you and you can feel everything yeah so it's definitely a learning experience yeah it is and then have you raced uh besides that have you had another race or when do you race again so we were supposed to run five flags this saturday um but we kind of were pinched and didn't get a sponsorship money together in time so we're hopefully going to go to Dover but it all aligns because I'm 100% sponsor funded so it all depends on that but we wanted to get through a lot more races in the East series this year and then possibly go full-time in the main series next year just I mean racing in the East series kind of came like super last minute on me anyway like I wasn't supposed to race the new Smyrna race because I hadn't come up with the sponsorship money yet and then the day before the race they called me and was like hey our driver is sick and he can't come in can you drive I'm like yeah sure I'm on my way yeah yeah so it was like super unexpected start so it was like finally something paying off but it was like something 
I didn't expect to happen at all. So now we're trying to formulate and get everything together and piece it together for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I hear this over and over. The sponsorship money is just, it's a make or break. You know, it, yeah. it just is. And I don't care what level you're at. You can be doing quarter midgets when you're four years old. And, and if, you know, you don't have somebody helping to pay, it's not a, it's not a cheap sport. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, people say, oh, it's a hobby. Well, it's a very expensive hobby. Yeah. But it, it's just has so many side benefits to the sport of racing that people don't understand. And um, yeah, I love I love that at the last minute, you're just jumping in and even better that you knew the track, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. And there yeah. was like no way I could have really prepared for that either because I was like super bummed because I was planning on racing it in January when I did the Daytona test um, for ARCA. So I was like, okay, I'm going to be doing New Smyrna. Found out two weeks prior, I wasn't going to be able to do New Smyrna. So then I was super bummed, stopped going to the gym stop preparing myself for anything because I was just in a rut and then they called me the day before and I'm like oh my gosh I'm not physically like up to par right now I don't know how I'm gonna do this I would just drink in Pedialyte praying that that would work but working at NRA definitely helped because I'm in the car at 8 a.m to 5 p.m just heat acclimating the whole time so I was a lot more prepared than I thought I was and I could have run like 100 more laps no problem and but I'd only run 50 lap features in the pro light model at New Smyrna. I've never run something like 200, 200 laps before ever. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is like my race times four. I don't know if this is going to even be possible. And like my parents were even doubting me. I almost started to doubt myself. And I was like, okay, I have enough Pedialyte. I have enough energy. I just slept for like 36 hours, like before this race. <laughs> like yeah. we're fine. We'll get this done. And then you ended up seventh. Yeah, so it was super exciting and definitely better than I, I thought. Like, I think in the first half of the race, I was a little bummed and I was like just kind of hoping for a top 10. And then the second half of the race, when I started like getting into the rhythm of things and like I knew where to set myself up and like the car started to try to come in for me. And then I was like, okay, like now I can push for a top five. And then there was just not enough time. I was like, oh. Hey, and you know, I, I love it was it was a learning experience for you too, because I think one thing you've learned from that that you probably haven't said is that you need to always be prepared because you don't know what's going to happen. Absolutely. Now I'm like in the gym every day and I'm like, I don't like I'm not racing this weekend. I don't even know if like Dover's going to happen or Nashville or Bristol or anything after that. But I'm like, I will religiously go to the gym just in case I get a phone call the day before Logan, we need a driver and then I'm ready to go. Right. Absolutely. For sure. Now, let me ask you this. Does the ARCA series run at Berlin this year? Berlin, Michigan? The main series does. Oh, the main series yes. does. Okay. Because that's an hour from my house. Oh, okay. So I've, I've gone there a few times when Natalie Decker was in the ARCA series and, and I was there, what did, it would have been last year, Ty Gibbs and, and uh, Gracie Trotter were there and I know both of them. And so I went to watch them. And so that's nice when it comes and it's so close to where I live. You know, I love that. Yeah. So I'm Logan, not sure. I think ahead. we have Milwaukee, Iowa, Bristol, Dover, Nashville. And there's one other one that's a mystery. Okay. One other one. I think that's it. Well, I'm going to pray that 
maybe somebody hears you on here or they find out that you're looking for some sponsorship and, you know, too bad Anheuser-Busch wouldn't bring that $10 million down a level or two, right? But you'll get there. You'll get well, there. They're, they're sponsoring people in the ARCA series too. Yes. They have Amber Balkan and right. even um, Stephanie Moyer, who's in my series too. Yeah. So we'll see where things go with that. I've been in contact with them. So we'll yeah, see. absolutely. Absolutely for sure. And I love that they're doing that. And, and I'm hoping that other large companies that can obviously afford to do it. And, you know, I was at the race in Phoenix, of course, it's 30 minutes from where I live in the winter. And I was at the Phoenix race. And there was a lot of Anheuser-Busch being sold at the race. And so they're invested in the fact that they are making money. You know, they are a product at the racetrack and they're giving it back really Mm -hmm. is how I look at it. And so I'd like to see other companies, maybe the hot dog vendors or somebody, I don't know. (laughs) They sold a lot of hot dogs that day. Yeah. Everything helps. Giving back. So what is your most favorite thing? If you had just to pick one thing about being involved in motorsports, what is it? How family-based it is. And especially because like coming from dancing, it's a very like individual, like it's just you and your coach and that's it. But, and also like my mom was involved in dancing, but like I didn't really want her involved in my dancing. So I was like, you pay someone else to do that. So just very like individual by myself in my own head and dance. And then coming into racing, it was like, I needed everybody there. Like mom, making sure I was ready. Dad, like coaching me and what I needed to just get started. Like when I first knew nothing about the racing industry. So definitely just the family basis of it. And like, especially the fan base, them all being like super family oriented. So just to be in like a huge global sport that has like a massive community that supports each other no matter what absolutely and I you know Logan I hear it over and over and over Uh, you know once in a while somebody will say oh I love going fast or I love the adrenaline but I would say 90% of the time when I ask somebody that question it's the people Mm -hmm. it's the family there's amazing people in racing yeah yeah so if you had something that you would say is your least favorite about being in motorsports what would that be the cost <laughs> oh yes for sure we just had that discussion didn't we that's sure it the cost. the cost yeah and you know I mean I'm I mean I was always a huge scrapbooker even before scrapbooking was the thing 25 years ago I scrapbooked with colored paper from the office supply store and glue sticks and that was you, you know, there weren't stickers or Hobby Lobby or any of that at the time. I've been a huge paper person all my life. Well, um, it's not a cheap hobby, but a pack of paper is a lot cheaper than a tire. And so yes. you, you look at it and you'd say, how many hobbies, hobbies, and I use that term loosely because it's a business. Even if you're driving at your local track on the weekends, it's a business, mm-hmm. hands down. And um, And I just think, you know, the cost of everything, even now going to the grocery store and of course, gas, gas, oh my gosh, is horrible. And it's just making things more difficult and more difficult for people to stay in the sport they love. But um, absolutely, I agree with you about the cost. I'd like to 
see a way to get those sponsors on board and get them to understand the benefits they get from it that they probably haven't even thought of. They really do. They really yeah, when I try to underline my sponsorship programs too, like I'm such like a bubbly, like you'll catch me in the pits just on it like a jack handle and just riding down the pits or something, doing something just Fun. out of nowhere. And like I just have a really bubbly personality. So I always just try to keep like my sponsorships and partnerships super like personable where it's like fits within my brand, but then also to help them. Cause like right. I'm very easy to talk to and very easy going like at the racetrack, I hug everybody. Like I'm just like that kind of person, like in your face, whatever. So I try to portray that, but there is only so much you can portray without being face to face with something. Exactly. So that's definitely the real challenge there. Unless you're literally just knocking on these doors all around the country just to get your name out there. It's just, yeah. okay. Who's Logan Mizoraka next? Well, the good thing that's changed over the years is, of course, Zoom. You can be a little bit more face-to-face than you can in the past. But the problem is getting to the person you need to talk to. Right. And that's so difficult. And, um, you know, as you were saying about how bubbly you are, I was thinking about the drink that Michael Buble. (laughs) You definitely need to have that on your car because that would fit you so well. So. I'm going to encourage you to reach out to that company because (laughs) you would definitely fit in with them for sure. Um, Yeah, I, I would love to see more sponsorship across the board, but especially for women. And that's one of the things that I really am working at, even myself for my business, Women's Motorsports Network and the magazine, the podcast, you know, nothing's free either for me. And it's very difficult to get businesses to understand what you're trying to do. So right. we all have that struggle. Um, tell me a little bit about your car, your ARCA car. What number is it? What color is it? How'd you pick your number? Tell me. So I it. didn't get to pick my number because it was super last minute. But since I run with Josh Lane's Motorsports, he's always owned the number 60. So I ran the number 60 and it was fluorescent orange which would not would not have been my first choice but Josh loved it and he insisted on it and I was like whatever that works for the driver at the time so I was like whatever because I was setting up all his stuff and then it came to me and I'm like I'm gonna be driving this highlighter around the track Mm -hmm. okay like if it was up to me I I love blurple and I don't know like how to explain that to people, but it's like in one shade, it's black. And then you look at the other way and it's like purple hue. Like that's my favorite scheme with fluorescent orange, but maybe not fully fluorescent orange. Yeah. But it definitely it like, makes stuck you a, out. It almost makes you a target on the track. Yeah. yeah. You but know, it was great for like rewatching the video too. I was like, there I am. <laughs> yeah. I can see myself. I mean, that's good for your spotter, but I think that's why so many car people I think go with black and whatever because in a pack of cars y'all kind of look the same but I love I love that it stands out and I love bright colors that wouldn't have been my first choice I'm not a huge orange fan but um you know when you when you've got fans in the stands it's easy to easy to follow you then and so that's part of it like the big bright orange one right over there it sticks out you can't miss it right (laughs) Easy. And I've always had like very showy colored cars. Like when my late model, my sponsor was a breast cancer awareness sponsor. So my car was pink, everywhere pink. My suit was pink. So it was like 
super noticeable. And pink isn't my favorite color of choice either, no. but it's like, you can't miss it. Right. Like it just, it sticks out, you know, where I am in the pits, you know, where I am on the track. So like that also helped too, but like just traditional red, black, and white, I can go for any day. Yeah. So I'm a breast cancer survivor. So it's interesting that they were oh, one of your, one of your sponsors. I did not know that. So yeah. Um, 20 years I've been awesome. a survivor. So yeah, I had, um, two very big mentors in my life, uh, battled breast cancer for a while. Um, unfortunately lost both of them, but so I was just like a huge advocate yeah. for like awareness of breast cancer. One of my good friends in the racing world actually has breast cancer right now too. Right. So I always, yeah. So I'm very like intuitive with the yeah. breast cancer. I, I have a feeling I know who you're talking about and I follow her as well. So if you, if you could look down the road into your future, you're 22 years old, you've got a long future ahead of you. Where do you see yourself? What, what if you had your dream racing job, what would it be? Oh, cup series drive all the way. But I don't want, cause I know everybody says that. Everyone says they want to go to the top. They want to be the best of the best, whatever. But I do want to start, and I've always said this, I've talked to my parents about this since I was little, because there really is nothing in place. Where I wish when I was little, I had an older driver, female driver, to come to all my races and help me. So I want to make, if I ever do make it to the top series, a motorsports mentorship program for females, where the older females over the age of 21 to like ages 12 to 16 that are like on that brink of like taking mm-hmm. the next step and like just starting out to have like a designated big sister, basically. Nice. To go like help this young one travel with them, take them, let them know like the marketing aspects, the sponsorship aspects, introduce them to the people that you know, just to like help. Because like a lot of these girls, like especially they don't have the funding and their parents don't help and get them that extra extra push until they're 18 and can do it by themselves. And it's like talent lost. Right. So I want to create a program that just like, grabs these girls to where like they just have the guidance through it finding the sponsorship to do it for them and like just little side jobs for the girls that are up there well that's always something i wanted to do the other part of that too and so i can relate to that my granddaughters have raced they started in quarter midgets when they were oh gosh probably five and seven maybe something like that and then uh, mckenna the older of the two she's been out of high school now uh, this is her second year out of high school and and she you know has one personality in racing maddie her younger sister has no fear but there's so many things that they could learn besides how to drive the car you know social media is so big and how to act at the track now i have wonderful granddaughters of course i do there's no doubt (laughs) but but i i go to a lot of racetracks and i see a lot of young girls and boys that need to learn that when they're at the racetrack or really anywhere, their behavior off the track often is as important, if not more important than on the track, because I'll give you an example. I was at a race and a a person sitting with me that I knew um, was interested in maybe sponsoring somewhat a young gal to track. And so, and she was young. She was maybe eight or nine years old but very talented and um her actions when she wasn't racing she was running up and down the bleachers and she was screaming and she was just 
And, and my, the person with me turned to me and said, no, if she was as good off the track now, I granted she's young, she's a kid, but if you really want to be a good race car driver and you really want sponsors, you have to remember somebody's watching. Mm -hmm. I don't care where you are, whether it's social media, whether you're on your phone and somebody's watching you or you're running up and down the bleachers at the track. She lost a sponsor yeah, because the sponsor's like, I don't want my name on her, you, you know, her race suit. And then she's acting like that. And it definitely forces some of these little kids like to mature quicker. It does. And it, I mean, it keeps them out of trouble, but then it also like, it forces them to take the next step. And like, you have to look at it as like a business presentation. If that's yeah. something you really want to do. Like, of course, like the young kids, they don't know if that's what they want to do the rest of them, their lives either. So that's why I wanted to have that mentorship to just show the girls like, hey, like, this is how you need to display yourself on social media. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the stuff that you can and can't do. Like, I was on a very strict, like, drill sergeant dance team that was, like, super disciplined. Like, you could, you had rules. And if you didn't follow the rules, you would get ineligibilities where you couldn't perform. So like, that's how my whole life is. I'm like, it has to have a structure. Like there are yeah. means to a cause like always. So, and like a lot of them, like it can go over as cute for a bit for yeah. a while. And then it just, it, ha it becomes a business to where it's like, okay, you have to present yourself well on and off track. No one cares that, I mean, yeah, of course it looks great that you won every single race, but then if you're off the track, just, and yeah. not very presentable, it's not very great for you. Well, and I mean, I, kids have a hard time with the concept of how much it costs when they're younger, but, um, you know, there's ways to teach them and, and take them with you to lay out those hundred dollar bills for those tires or whatever it might be. There's ways to show them that this is not a, a cheap thing that we're doing and you need to appreciate the opportunity and you know have them help or work to make the money or talk to the sponsors i mean there's so many things that younger ones can learn how to do and honestly the younger they learn how to go and talk to a, a potential sponsor or a current sponsor the better they're going to be lifetime because it'll right. come so natural you know after that and so um, you know, I think having a mentoring program, I, I'd love to be involved with you with that, because I just think that's so, so needed with so many of the of the people that I talk to. So I'd, yeah. I'd love to see that come to fruition for you, for sure. I'd love to start it sooner, too. I don't really want to wait till Cup Series. It's just yeah. funding, too. Like, funding. <laughs> yeah. I'm behind it to like get this whole organization going. But like the biggest thing I want is just these kids have to... Like, I'm a dance teacher, too. Like, I still coach dance students over in Sarasota, Florida. And some of them, they're, like, 12 to 16 years old. And they just get into the biggest trouble that you would never believe. Oh, so I like, believe it. Yeah, so, like, you have to just, like, I, I just want to, like, teach them and, like, get in their head. Like, you mm -hmm. can be self-reliant. Yeah. And you don't need to depend on everything else. Like, you create your own goals. You create the own madness and you bring yourself down no one else does that for you that's all within yourself right so and and you know so my daughters all in fact my son even took dance when he was little because he was an athlete and that was I think one of the things that made him 
a better athlete was mm -hmm. the coordination, but my daughters also took dance and tumbling. They were on the tumbling team and we competed and did all those things. So I totally get where you're coming from. And, um, you know, I think younger, like the girls, like younger girls and maybe even boys too, but we're focusing on women here. Um, they're going to listen to someone your age or like you more than they're going to listen to somebody like me. I could be their grandma, right? And, or maybe even somebody the age of their parents or maybe their parents. They'll be like, oh, my parents don't know anything. We've all been through that stage of life, right? And then you find out as you get older that your parents are pretty smart. But younger, younger women need a role model to look up to and someone who can reach out and, and be a little tough on them in some ways about their behavior and different things. Um, and not to be mean, but like I said about that girl running up and down the bleachers, what a shame because she's a, she was a good little driver and she lost out. And so there needs to be something like that. So I have some thoughts that running through my head, Logan, we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, this year you're going to be running some ARCA races and you still work. So tell me a little bit about your job because that's also involved in motorsports. Yes. So I, well, so it's kind of proportioned. So half of my day, I work on strictly my brand, working on myself, sending out sponsorship proposals, calling businesses, getting all my connections I need, doing whatever racing side. Then on the other side of things, I work for a performance shop and they work on exotic cars, usually like European cars, upgrades in that field. And then so we're like all surrounded within the motorsports industry here. So I just handle like all their organization skills because the men aren't the best at that. No. So I handle all of that stuff and the boys just work in the shop over there and they do all the mechanics and all yeah, that okay. stuff involved. So I just keep them organized and on the right track and then just work on myself as well. Okay. And then what's the driving experience that you do? Oh, that too. That's my weekend job. So yeah, I work at NASCAR Racing Experience. I do ride-alongs. So I'm in the car from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. in the driver's seat. And every three laps, they put another customer in, take them out, put another customer in. And I'm just running laps at Daytona. So I've got, which is why I really wanted to run at Daytona race, the Daytona Arc race, because I have more laps there than I do anywhere else in the country. So, and probably more than a lot of the other ARCA drivers was like, I would have the upper hand here. Cause it's just, I at least run two and a half Daytona 500s a day is how I say it. I run about like 650 laps a day. It's, it's draining, but I love it. And it's just like, it's super fun. Like the, especially like the face on these customers too. Cause you just like change their life and open them up to this whole new like universe and like mm -hmm. dimension stuff. So, and it's definitely great. And I always put like hero cards in the trailer too, to just like promote myself more too. I meet like great, like corporate businesses as well to kind of like bring them into my little network and like meet them. But it's always so funny too, cause I'm wearing a helmet. They can't, which is like, total like what it is being a female you're wearing a helmet you're just another driver out there and that's exactly how these other people look at it until I say hi I'm Logan I'm gonna be a ride driver today and every single one of them goes you're a girl I'm like yes yes I am because I'm just wearing like my black helmet and normal like NRE suit so they don't know I'm a female 
Right. And then every time I talk and sometimes I won't just to mess with them and just make them think they're taking a ride with normal, whatever this normalcy is in racing that other people think. And then as soon as they're done, I'm like, did you have fun? And then they just go crazy. Like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Like you're a girl. And I definitely get like the better side of things. I've never had anything negative at NRE. It's just, I wondered if you'd ever had anybody get in the car when they found out it was a girl. They're like, uh, no. I was worried about that before my first day. I asked my manager and I was like, do you think that's going to happen? Like, I know how some people like just get kind of weird about it or like, however they want to put it. And he goes, no, 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 I don't think so. I don't think so. And I'm like the first full-time female to work there. So, and I thought like, I was so scared the first day and I just had nothing but positive feedback. So I was like, oh my God, I love this job. So I will never quit there. Like, that's just my amazing deal. And with, they travel to like Charlotte, Atlanta, Talladega. So I travel with them to those tracks too. So it's great for seat time too, to like see these tracks before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's my what little uh, side niche. It's my little um, hack, my life hack. There it yeah. is. So when my son was still alive, we were in Florida and we went to, was near Disney somewhere. We did the Richard Petty driving experience, I think, or something like that. Yeah. How long ago? Oh, eight, 10 years ago. Okay. So yeah, that was when it was. So this is still the Richard Petty driver experience. They just renamed it NASCAR racing experience because they left Disney and now they okay. do all their own okay. tracks. So it would have been NASCAR the same tracks. thing. So he actually drove because he was a race car driver before he passed away. So he was a racer. So he actually drove, you know, and the guy was in the guy lady. It was a guy was in the car with him. And then he purchased the ride along for me. So I got to ride along and I was just sitting there, you know, with my arm up on the window. I was just enjoying it. And the, and the guy looks over and he said, you're pretty relaxed. And I said, Oh, you can go faster. And he said, Oh no, I can't. <laughs> I, uh, we're definitely limited to how fast we can go out there. Yeah. And I took my whole family. I took my mom, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather. And I expected my grandmother to freak out because she's just very like not open to the racing world. She's my mother's mom. So she's just like, oh my gosh, like very like Valley girl lady. So, and she gets in the car, absolutely loved it. Screaming all the way down the back stretch. I love you, Logan. I'm like, okay. Like meanwhile, I'm scared. I'm going to put my grandmother in AFib or something. Yeah. I'm like, oh no. And then my mom's like borderline on the belt to like throw up. She's like, get me out, get me out, get me out. Oh no, I loved it. I loved it. I, I, yeah. In a different day and time or a different, if I come back as a something different, I'd be a race car driver and a marketing person, but no, those things weren't on the radar when I was growing up in the, in the seventies. So anyway, that's, that's life, but I'm enjoying it now for sure. And meeting wonderful women like you, Logan, I, I just love your story and, and everything. What have I not asked you about that you'd like to share? Or what are some things you'd like for people to know about yourself, about women in motorsports, anything at all? Well, two things. One, just another extra fun fact about me. I'm an aerospace engineer major because I love space. Space is my thing. Love space. So, and another thing like I wanted to do is STEM for girls because we need more girls in STEM, of we course. Do. So I'm definitely in like male-dominated fields all the way around, except for dancing, which is weird because I like 
went from one extreme to the other, fully female dominated sports and now like yeah. the male dominated society of things. And a little message to the girls out there. You can always do anything you put your mind to. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just, you know, like you said, you put the helmet on, nobody knows if it's a boy or girl. And I've quoted Bill McAnally hundreds of times on my podcast. And he said to me one day, because he, you know, he had at one time a lot more women in his, in his company, even than he does now. And he said to me, um, the car doesn't know the difference if you're male or female. And I find that females, you know, maybe sometimes they're a little more serious or take it a little bit more to heart or, or whatever. And so he loved having females on his team. And um, I, I love that guy. I've met him a few times and, and he just always has some kind of wisdom that he imparts, you yeah. know, from being in motorsports so long. So um, way to go, girl. I'm just so proud of you and so excited. And I hope you get that funding. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm here for you, whatever we can do to help you. But um, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and and you even have a little bit of money. You can buy a set of tires or you can, I mean, seriously, you know, and if, if maybe if it's not Logan, you know, go to, a, go to a local short track, find somebody there that you really, you know, connect to, you like their car. It could be man or woman. I don't care. But, um, you know, these guys are trying to provide entertainment for us. You know, racetracks want to be called entertainment venues, I was told. So I, Logan just wrote a a course geared towards racetracks. It's called the Inside Track Partnerships, Promotions, and Profitability for Entertainment Venues, which is, you know, it's geared towards racetracks. And just go, go to a local short track, find somebody. That's where, you know, you start at the quarter midget track. Um, It takes money to put tires on those little quarter midgets and to pay entry fees and pit passes and all those things, you know, help some of those drivers out and go to the pits sometime and be a a guest crew member. Wouldn't that be fun if you were a race fan and learn what it takes for those people to come week after week and put on a show for the fans to watch. And that's, that's not cheap for those people. And it's very time consuming. I'm sure you have people that help work on your car, but when you were racing, your quarter midgets who worked on your car, probably your parents, your dad, dad, mom and dad. That's it. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a full-time job after your full-time job mm-hmm. to be in racing. So I encourage people to find Logan and we'll put your, your, uh, why don't you tell us how people can follow you? You can go to, everything's kind of linked to my website. So you can go to loganmazaraka.com. My Instagram's also at Logan Mizoraka. Everything's basically Logan Mizoraka. So you can okay. find me there, message me. I'm open to talk to anybody absolutely. about anything. I like new friends. Yeah, absolutely. So find Logan and help her out. Get her to some of these races because I'd love to see her on TV some Saturday racing arc when I'm sitting in my RV in Arizona and I turn it on and there's my friend Logan racing around the track so um i encourage everybody out there to get involved and find a buy a t-shirt t-shirts always help support absolutely absolutely anything helps right it all helps so any last words logan that you'd like to share um i love you all 
um, even for some of you that I don't know or some of you I do know. Um, I love everybody in this industry and thank you for everybody for listening and supporting the International Women's and Motorsports Association. Um, I definitely love this. I've been actually getting these emails since I first started racing seriously in legend cars. So I've known Melinda here for a little bit. So I uh, love you guys and thank you so much for listening to me. All right. Awesome. Well, Logan, thank you so much. We're going to be keeping our eye on you and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Uh-huh. World's number one online racing and performance marketplace, the ultimate one-stop shop where you'll find what you need to rock your ride. If it belongs in your garage, it's for sale on racingjunk.com. Log on to racingjunk.com to find the gear you're looking for, sell your extra stuff, keep up on racing news and tech tips, and more. Again, that's racingjunk.com, and tell them Melinda sent you. Thank you for listening to the Racing Girls Rock Podcast, brought to you by the Women's Motorsports Network.